This is Dear Hallmark. Each week, I'll bring you reviews of your favorite Hallmark movies and TV shows. So grab a drink and let's see what we're getting into with this episode. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Got it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dear Hallmark. My name is Dara. This is the space where I like to nerd and geek out over Hallmark Channel movies, TV shows, and stuff. And I am not here by myself yet again. You guys, I found the firefighter from the Nine Kittens of Christmas. I am so pleased to have Mr. Paul W. Campbell. The W stands for writing. Mr. Paul Campbell, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> the firefighter from Nine Kittens. That's really funny. Mason was his name. Uncredited, I think, uh, as Mason. Mason. I don't know. Yeah, Mason. That guy had a name. So Mason in the house. What? 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 Oh, my God. First of all, can we talk about that? How uh-huh. How did that cameo happen? The uh, I got a call from Randy Pope, who's like the head of uh, Hallmark, the head of production over at Hallmark and he's like hey you want to come do a cameo in one of our movies and I was like yeah obviously and he's like <laughs> great you want to be a firefighter in in Nine Kittens and I was like okay <laughs> <laughs> simple and, enough uh, yeah they had originally it was written like he was a bit more of a character in the movie and oh. you see him they like he had a couple other scenes and I was like it only works if it's just one quick thing and it's mm-hmm. a quick reveal and then it's like do I know you? Do I know right. you? Okay, I gotta go. And that was it. And they're like, great, just do, do what you want to do. I loved it. And I know Instagram yet again blew up because of the cameos that we've been having from my cousin, Andrew Walker. Uh, in- Is he your cousin? <laughs> I, listen, I looked on HallmarkAncestry.com and I found it to be true. He's my cousin. And funny enough, I found out you are too. Breaking news. Paul Campbell is also my cousin, which is, it's crazy. It's I crazy. feel like if you look at the Hallmark ancestral tree, it's not a very big tree. It's like, oh, they're brother and sister and they're married and they're cousins. <laughs> like, it's a really <laughs> close-knit family. A lot of states are like, we don't recognize that tree as legal. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get it's a it's a tightly knit community. Sure. So uh, I'm happy to be, I'm honored to be your cousin. Oh, man, I'm honored. For you to be my cousin, because when I tell you an unexpected Christmas blew me away. And this isn't your first Hallmark movie that you've written. You've done Christmas by Starlight, which is also one of my favorites, um, opposite Kimberly Sustad, Queen. And you've also co-wrote on one of the newest ones, Christmas at Castle Heart, which just premiered uh, last weekend. And then you also did Wedding Every Weekend, correct? Did you? No, I did not write on that. The the other one that I wrote on was Sunset of Romance. That was the Ah. first movie that I sold to Hallmark. And then they went through three different sets of writers on that project before Mm -hmm. I finally said, 
give me the script. And I don't get any credit for it. There's no, uh, there's no Paul Campbell on the writing credits, but I did a, I did a full dialogue pass on that one. The story was, we were like four days out from shooting and I was like, we can't, this, these, the characters are not real people. We need to write some real stuff. Yeah. So I did a full dialogue and I was sort of writing as we went. I would write like the first week I was writing just in advance, whatever the first week was. And then when we started the second week, I was writing that. It was a little chaotic, but yeah. it worked. Yeah. Has writing always been a thing for you? Because we as Hallmark fans mostly know you as an actor. And then now we're having you seeing you uh, like flex this writing muscle, which is amazing. Has writing always been something that's been in the background that's now coming to the forefront or talk about that a little bit? No, it hasn't been. Um, No, I won't talk about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm not here to talk about myself. Right. Uh, um, No. So I uh, I got interested in writing. I was on a comedy series in Canada, and uh, in 2014 and 15, we did two seasons. And uh, I had an idea for a half-hour comedy that I sold to a Canadian network, CTV, which is like Canada's oh, yeah. biggest network, uh, yeah. Canadian television network. And we developed three scripts for that, and I really really enjoyed the process. And then um, when I I right around the same time I started doing Hallmark movies and I think it was just this I've always operated uh by the idea that I could do anything until somebody tells me that I can't do it so Mm. with acting with writing with whatever I was like well I think I could probably do that and if nobody tells me that I can I'll just assume that I can and keep doing it so Mm. I was talking with um Elizabeth Yost, who is, uh, she's a senior VP at Hallmark uh, Development. And I was like, hey, I, I have some ideas for some movies. And she said, great, we need, uh, we need Easter, we need weddings. This was right when Hallmark was getting into seasonal stuff. So okay. like 2015, they were branching into like really like uh, dedicated seasonal stuff. And she's like, we're mm-hmm. going to start doing summer movies. And I was like, say no more. I think I can come up with something. So I hung up the phone and uh, I spent like two hours just going, what would be a fun summer movie? What do I want to do? And I emailed her back. And I was like, I got an idea for a summer movie. And she's like, great. Uh, this is fantastic. Let me put it through the, the, the thing, through the filter. And then six months later, she emailed. She's like, well, good news. We're going to make your movie. So and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I can do this. And they <laughs> didn't let me they didn't let me write on it because I had no prior writing experience mm-hmm. but then I did God Went Christmas with uh with Kim Susted mm-hmm. and we were like let's just write uh let's write a script and we'll just we'll write it on spec and we'll just show them that we can write a script so we wrote Christmas by Starlight and walked in and we we're like hey you want to do a Christmas movie here it is and we we sold to them they're like great we love it we'll buy it and then they completely dismantled it we went back to the drawing board and it was a two-year process of developing wow. that idea. But I think just writing the spec and saying, you can't argue that this is a script that yeah. we can write. And, you know, so give us a chance. And then um, fortunately, they kept us on it right to the end. Oftentimes at Hallmark, if the process is going a little slower than they'd like, they'll take writers. They're constantly shifting writers around, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, oh, you did a really good job. You got it up to here. We want it to go over here so we'll bring mm. somebody else mm-hmm. and uh, they let us stay on it till the end and we were like oh we can actually do this and then unexpected christmas came in it was the network came to me and they were like hey great job last year you want to do another one and 
I said, yep. And then same with Christmas at Castle Heart. They were like, hey, you did a really good job. You want to do another one? I'm like, mm-hmm. That's awesome. So was um, an unexpected Christmas, was that long? Was that um, in terms of the timing? It wasn't as long as Christmas by Starlight because you said Christmas by Starlight took two years to develop. How long was it for an unexpected Christmas? Well, an unexpected Christmas, I think they already had, they already had that movie slated for uh, production. Like they, so Hallmark, often what they'll do is they'll look what they have on their development board and then they'll go okay we think we're going to make these 40 christmas movies what stage are they at in terms mm-hmm. of the script and and how ready are they for production and then often they'll work backwards they'll go okay well we we know we want to put this movie in november whatever 27th we need to get a script together and so they'll sort of work backwards in that sense now unexpected christmas came to me as a, a written script it came to me it was written by a guy named Greg Magoon and uh and so but and he had done a really lovely job yeah he had this idea and he did a lovely job and Hallmark had asked that he walk it back to the outline phase which is sometimes what they'll do when they want to dismantle a script and look at pieces of it that they really like they go great he wrote a spec now can you write an outline so we can develop the outline a little bit he wrote an outline and they said you did a lovely job we think we're going to take it somewhere else we think maybe there's somebody else that could execute this a little better so they brought it to me and what happened with that project was over the course of developing the outline and starting to really try and look hard at the emotional journeys that can justify this Mm. lie because it's Mm. really it's a really tough lie to sell and if people Mm. are not familiar with the movie it's the it's this guy is hiding a broken relationship from his family he's pretending to be together with his ex-girlfriend uh for their sake for a week for christmas so he doesn't Mm -hmm. ruin christmas and what what was missing was how to plausibly and emotionally justify the depths of that deceit because it doesn't work if you don't have an emotional justification and it wasn't there in the script so as i started to go Mm. like who is this guy how broken is he why is this lie important? The story that was written that came from the previous writer just mm-hmm. disappeared. It, none of mm. it worked. And so we walked it right back to the log line, which was a couple pretends to be together over Christmas for the sake of his family. And I went, okay, we got to start from scratch. And we just literally started from word one and reinvented the whole world and the characters and who they were and how they got there. And, um, it's a yeah that it was a really challenging process it took six months for me it was five and a half months six months from the day that I started to break the new outline Mm -hmm. to the day that I handed in the final polish on the script and it was like a hard hard six months Mm. because every time I would try to no go ahead no you go ahead you go ahead cousin I'm saying (laughs) every time every time I would uh you know, try to like justify this lie and find pieces. We would, dig, we'd have to dig further. And, and for her too, for Emily's character as well, to really justify emotionally why she would agree to stay in that situation, yeah. having had her heart broken and put herself back into such an uncomfortable situation. How do we raise those stakes? And especially if we want it to be funny, the stakes have to be so high. There yeah. has to be so much conflict, so much internal conflict external conflict if the stakes aren't like way up here 
none of the comedy works because mm. no one's trying to constantly dig themselves out of things or like there's there's nothing to lose and if there's nothing to lose it's never funny that's the you got to make it like the the more they have to lose the funnier every situation is man that's a quote right there we should put on a shirt there's nothing, on a shirt. To lose. nothing is funny. No champagne no, yeah <laughs> there's nothing to lose nothing is funny nothing is funny so it's I, what I was going to say was it's funny that like watching an unexpected Christmas and then watching Christmas at Castle Heart, I could then hear your voice in the writing because of how punchy the jokes were. And personally, because I'm still new to the, the Hallmark movie space, I haven't seen Lacey act in that format before. So it was it was very refreshing to hear her say those lines, deliver those lines the way that she did. So how was your process with uh, Christmas at Castle Heart? Can you talk about that a little bit? Because you co-wrote that one. Um, so I can imagine that that one was a little bit different than your process for An Unexpected Christmas. Not really, because the mm. co-wrote, the way that it was co-wrote was that script came to me again in the same way that mm. Unexpected Christmas did. They said, look, we want, Lacey wants to do something a little different and we have a really lovely script, but yeah. she wants to be funny and she wants to have a bit of bite and she wants to, yeah. you know, all these characters, we want to sort of raise the stakes on, on all sides and, yeah. um, and, uh, and add some humor. And, and um, it was, it had been written as sort of a very traditional, like uh, sort of rags to riches hallmark story. It was very sweet, but mm -hmm. the stakes weren't there emotionally. So there was nowhere for these characters to go and there was yeah. no conflict for the characters. So I, um, I took it and again, like broke it, just broke the characters right down to the beginning and said, okay, who, who are these characters? Who are the sisters? first of all, and how low have they sunk? In the original version, Lacey was a successful party planner that worked under this Paige Monahan character and she just wanted to be running her own events, yeah. right? So she yeah. goes to Ireland and she, she's already an accomplished wedding planner and I was like, or event planner. And I was like, well, that doesn't give her anywhere to go because her life is already good. Yeah. What if she's a waitress and she's broke and she gets fired? You know, the, mm -hmm. she gets fired off. Her and her sister are out of work. They have no money. They have no relationships. They are two broken women. They have no parents. Let's like in the original, their parents were still alive. And I was mm. like, we need to give them, we need to start them from zero yeah. so that when, so the stakes of needing to go to Ireland, needing to find family, needing to find a sense of belonging is, is what they have. They have to go and do that. And if they don't, their lives are garbage and they're emotionally broken. So there was <laughs> the scenes as written actually that in, in the draft that I turned in, I mean, they're in their apartment sobbing and mm. the two girls and they sort of softened it a little bit for the final production, but the, mm. um, they were broken on the floor of this apartment going, we have nothing and our parents have died and, you know, we have to go do this thing for dad. And they go to, you know, they ultimately go to Ireland and find this, sense of belonging but so the process for yeah. that was going let's reinvent the characters and then in doing so basically every single piece of dialogue in that movie changes because now you have a different worldview, and and the necessity is so much greater the urgency is greater for yeah. everything they're doing the stakes are higher everywhere you know um and just trying to write characters that feel relatable and organic 
uh, you look at Jamie and Emily in, un in Unexpected, those, Jamie is a very relatable character. You know, he's, he's fear of, he's got this fear of failure and he's got a fear mm -hmm. of not being good enough. How, how many times in relationships do we feel that? Like, what if I can't keep up to my partner? What if my partner, what if I'm not enough? Right. Um, it's so universally relatable. And he comes from this place of being kind of broken and just want needing something, but not able to articulate it because it's so hard to be vulnerable. And I think that's a thread we see in a lot of these characters in a lot of the movies where those emotional arcs really work. It's this fear of vulnerability. And ultimately mm. when you are able to be vulnerable at the end, that's when the magic happens, you know, you finally open up. Um, but it's, it's writing more than just like, oh, well, if the party doesn't come together, mm, I'm not going to mm -hmm. get the promotion. Like nobody cares mm -hmm. about that. It's <laughs> if I can't maintain this um, idea of the, the world, everything being perfect, if I can't mm. keep this facade up, my family sees that I'm a fraud. My family sees that I'm imperfect. Yeah. The world sees that I'm imperfect and that's yeah. an impossible thing to admit to yourself, let alone to have the world see. And that's a, that's sort of where we were coming from with both of those with Castleheart and uh, unexpected is like, it's really tough to be vulnerable and leave yourself open to failure. Sure. Sure. What would you say if you had to choose was like your favorite scene that you wrote, like as you were writing, either it just made you, you were chuckling the whole time while you were, while you were writing, or you thought like, oh my gosh, this is going to be very beautiful played on screen from, you can um, call from both movies uh, if you want. And unexpected. I love the, um, oh man, I liked a lot of those scenes. <laughs> I really liked the scenes with uh, Tyler's sister yeah. um, in the shed. Yeah. Where, and she's such a great character because she's just no nonsense. She's like, she's a little broken herself, but she comes from a place of experience and mm -hmm. love and wisdom. And I really liked those scenes. There was one, there was one exchange, the one dialogue exchange in the movie that I liked a lot. I also really like the scene with the grandma uh, yeah. in the study where she goes, life is messy and, you know, you're good enough as you're, you know, that's where the beauty is. This beauty in the mess was such yeah. a nice sort of sentiment from grandma. But that was one really silly exchange. I, I Sometimes I find myself writing um, really specific comedy rhythms and like there's a real musicality um, to what I try to, there's a certain scene that almost feels like stylized in a mm -hmm. way that maybe mm -hmm. is incongruous with the rest of the script, you know, where you go, mm -hmm. there's a real rhythm here. And there was one exchange when um, Emily and Jamie are shopping on the street and mm -hmm. it goes, I don't know. They did a really good job of it and they made it sound organic, but in the script, it's really, it's a tough run. And it, he goes, she goes, um, shopping for anyone in particular. And then it goes, uh, yes me no you no uh it was yes me no you oh what the hell was it i've forgotten now but it's like 10 single words in a row where they alternate wow yeah you know, for, and, and and but the only but you have to play it with like a musical rhythm otherwise it doesn't work and they did a really mm -hmm. good job but i was like good luck with that guys because it doesn't <laughs> 
Um, oh man, I wish I could remember it now. I was looking at it the other day on the page and I was like, good for them. They yeah. did this. They probably saw this and they were like, what was this asshole thinking? What was this guy? Who writes this? Why would he do this to us? Uh, we had one like that in Starlight Christmas too, that was around the family table eating mm. waffles. And it, it was like, that's my bump, favorite bump, scene. Bump, 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 bump. And yes. I, I got really, uh, I got really uh, protective of that scene when we were filming it. Cause I was like, guys, this scene has to sound a certain way. I, I'm mm. not going to tell any, I'm not going to direct anybody any other time but we have to say the lines with a certain cadence for mm -hmm. the comedy to work and they were all like can you just shut up and do something I'm like no <laughs> i'm very protective of this one thing um with castle heart the um there's a there's there's a couple of really fun scenes i like um when they first meet aiden in the bar and he's kind of taking the piss out of them about are you looking for leprechauns right and yeah so there was that <laughs> yeah he's like you're like what a dick um that was a really fun scene to write and there's also there was another good oh there was another good musical one in there where she goes um there was the sisters saying their names back and forth and it was that 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 and then the valet says her name what they didn't do was she's supposed to respond one more time in that run and they cut it for some reason and i don't know if they cut it because it got too silly mm. but uh they did chop that down maybe they're like what's this guy doing you can't <laughs> it was it was almost like again it was like does this even are we making the same movie in this moment it was a little stylized but um i like writing little like gauntlets for writers to run through and see if they can or for actors to run through and see if they can do it it's fun <laughs> see if i can so trip them up I'm curious, like between Christmas movies and non-holiday content, your approach to writing, like um, even though you've only done one with Sun, Sand and Romance, like do you look for, because I, I told you this in the video, I hope you saw that we'll pay you in Monopoly money or jelly beans or crab legs. I don't know what we have to do, but if you want to write more non-holiday content, I would love to see what that will look like coming from you. Like, do you, is there a, a different energy for lack of a better word that you feel like you would put towards holiday content versus non-holiday content, if that makes sense? It depends a little bit. It's more the network. They are really mm -hmm. trying to move into like the tone of what unexpected Christmas was. Mm -hmm. And so much of that you'll see, like if you read the, if you read unexpected Christmas and you read Christmas at Castle Heart, the scripts on paper read very similarly in terms of banter and dialogue, but you go, one feels very different than the other. You can still hear the dialogue, but in terms of performance and delivery and just general tone of the movie, they're two totally different movies and two totally different styles. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of it comes down to what the network wants. In terms of the content, I don't know that we can necessarily that I necessarily have freedom to write something a little more broad or a little more akin to like a really traditional rom-com with big mm -hmm. comedy beats mm -hmm. uh, in one or the other. They're not necessarily looking for real rom-coms in the non-seasonal and then like lighter rom-coms at Christmas. They want generally to go in the direction of rom-coms 
or at least have a percentage of portion of their movies really lean into that territory. Um, it just comes down to who the, who the executive is in charge and what the team is putting together. I don't mind writing. The, the, the only thing about the seasonal movies is there are certain elements that the network wants to see that you know there are like in terms of involvement with Christmas and I think we did a pretty good job in both Castleheart and Unexpected of getting away from these like you know the the normal Christmas traditions where we are just like we're baking cookies and we're doing an ice sculpture like we were still telling Christmas stories mm -hmm. I want to tell Christmas stories at Christmas that aren't necessarily about Christmas. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their movies are about Christmas mm -hmm. and you get really um, hemmed in by that because you're like, well, I gotta have two activities per act and I have to write a story around these activities. There's real, you're like bookended, you know, it becomes very narrow in terms of your storytelling where it's unexpected. It's like, let's just watch these two people exist during Christmas time. And there will be yeah. some Christmassy things that show up, but- yeah. We don't see them decorate the tree. We don't, you know, right. we see the tree fall over. We, it's Gosh. like, there's still Christmas, but Christmas is hitting the floor. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I think what I really like about writing for Hallmark is I really like the parameters that I have to work within, like the mm -hmm. nine act structure. I like mm -hmm. knowing that I have to have certain you know, at the end, I know where at the end of act one falls. I know where, mm -hmm. what's kind of going on at the end of act four. And then the end of act eight, everything is gone to hell and there's no redemption. And then whoops, act nine, it all comes back together. <laughs> yeah. I do like those. I like the puzzle piece, like mm. putting, like inserting the pieces. Um, I have like five or six other ideas already that I'm sort of lining up on the board. Half of them are seasonal. I'd say four are, are four are non-seasonal, two are Christmas. Uh, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how they go. There's some really big fun ideas with some big casting. There's like, I'm doing some, some more male centric, like collaborative multi-cast things. So we're going to see if they go for it, but if they buy these ideas, they're going to be really fun. Like just really, if they just let me sort of run with these comedies, uh, we got some good stuff. We got some good stuff in store. Oh man, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna say. They might be like, "You're crazy." Go to Netflix oh, man. With that. But maybe not. Maybe they'll let me do it. Now I spoke to cousin Andrew about this, um, mm -hmm. and my trifecta would be you, cousin Andrew, and Tyler in a movie together. Hashtag I may or may may or may not be working on something along the line. I may or may not be. Sir? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, okay. We'll see. I'm gonna leave it if, there. Um, I, I honestly don't know where the network stands on going in that direction of going, can we tell a story? They've done three sisters, you know, they've mm -hmm. done some some female. Uh, like multi-female led movies. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they stand on that. I think Hallmark, I, I know historically Hallmark has always been like female protagonist. And every mm -hmm. once in a while, they'll do a male like leading, you know, more slightly more male centric. Unexpected Christmas 
Jamie is arguably the protagonist. He's arguably like he slightly edges out Emily in terms of story. It's his perspective. It's his mm -hmm. family. And, and we talked about that a lot. Can we do this? Because in the original idea, it was her family and the guy oh. shows up and uh, we were like, can we, can we make this sort of a male lead? It's, it's his story. It's his world. And uh, that's where we ended up. But would they do a movie with two guys, two brothers or three brothers or four? You know, I don't know. I think we're going to, we're going to get into those conversations, but perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. dot, dot, dot. Oh, that's we'll exciting. See. That's yeah. exciting. So I'm curious, be, dipping into the, the P initial of your middle name, not the P, the uh, A initial of your middle name, which is acting. Um, you while you were writing, did your actor brain turn on in any way, like viewing how it would be acted out as you write? Like, is that something like as you're writing? I acted all out. I, I act <laughs> yeah. everything out. I spent four weeks with an Irish accent doing Aiden <laughs> yeah. from Castle Hearts. And every, I had a, I said every line out loud. I always acted out. It's always... If it's leprechauns you're looking for, you go down to the corner of this man with a rainbow and a pot of gold and follow the thing, but they're a wee bit bitey this year. You know, the, I, I'm like, my son is like, dad, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, Where do we even start? Where do we start? Yeah, those, all the speech, like I do every bit of dialogue aloud. And I think that's what, I, I, it's such a leg up because I yeah. know, I go, I'll write stuff and go, no one can deliver this line. This doesn't work. And I just say mm -hmm. it out loud until it feels mm -hmm. organic. And then, and then I go, okay, I think I've arrived at something that works. But there's nothing weirder than as an actor <laughs> reading a line of dialogue when you're like, well, is this like a generated by some dialogue algorithm? Like mm. this is this is like a, a this is an app on your phone that goes, <laughs> uh, catchy dialogue sounds yeah. like this. It just it doesn't work. So yeah, yeah, I perform the whole thing as I'm going and I and I watch it in my head and I imagine how I would block it and how I would how I would like to do it personally. I wrote Unexpected Christmas for myself. They were never going to cast me in it. Originally, <laughs> they wanted they wanted mid to late 20s for the roles. And I was like, I can still play that. And they're like, shut up. No, you can't. <laughs> I was like, fine, I'll write it for late 20s. But Jamie is going to be based a lot on me and, you know, my, mm, my mm. own experiences. And, uh, and then they were like, okay, we've cast it. It's Tyler Hines and Bethany. I was like, they're like the same age. <laughs> I could have done this. Like, well, now we have another movie for you. And I was like, but you told me it was late 20s. They're like, listen, the movie could not have been in better hands than with those two. But I definitely wrote it with myself in mind for wow. it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, like juxtaposing acting and writing, which would you find is more challenging? Like the writing process of writing a script or preparing and going through acting out like just acting in general what would you say you you found more challenging or does it depend on the movie depends on the movie the mm -hmm. it's hard to say like with hallmark movies the the acting the again like the parameters of where you go emotionally in terms of the intensity like it's all pretty close to center right you're not Mm. You, you don't have these massive emotional breakdowns you're not it's you're not like abject terror those <laughs> those far reaches of the emotional yeah. spectrum are yeah. really tough to live in for prolonged periods yeah so the acting 
isn't particularly difficult. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I've also been doing the acting for so many years. It just comes mm. a lot more naturally. Yeah. The writing is also, some of it comes really naturally and some of it I really puzzle over. And sometimes, you know, the network is very heavily involved in the script development and then you get a ton of notes. Sometimes it'll be, you'll have 200 line notes on a script or 300 mm. line notes you have to satisfy. And some of them are really big. They go like, yeah, we like this about this character, but we're missing this piece. Mm. And so as a writer, you go, well, I've just turned in what I thought was the best possible draft of this script. And what you're telling me is there's 10% of it missing. How do I go back and weave that throughout? And that's, yeah. that's where you go, am I in over my head? Uh, I think that's why Unexpected took six months because it mm -hmm. was it was a really, really difficult process to arrive at something we all agreed was mm. something we could shoot. They're totally different approaches. The acting is yeah. uh, such a different preparation than writing. But I would say right now, the, ch the, the writing is more challenging for me because I'm mm -hmm. new at it. Yeah. You know, I've really been doing it for two years uh, <sighs> completely. And yeah. That's uh, the learning curve is steep. I'm getting better and I'm getting faster and I'm, I'm figuring out the things to look for preemptively. So mm. I go, I don't get, I don't want to get that note anymore. I'm just going right. to make sure I include those things right off the top. So do you think there are other genres that you see yourself writing in? Um, whether, whether it be outside of Hallmark or do you see yourself if we were to stay inside Hallmark maybe doing a Hallmark movies and mysteries like do you see yourself writing out in a different genre absolutely I would love to do first of all I love writing half hour comedy I like half hour single camera comedy mm. I'd love to do that there's not for someone like myself that has no experience in the industry as a writer mm -hmm. getting any sort of project like that off the ground is almost impossible because everyone's like Sorry, who are you? Why should mm, we trust you? To, you right. can't. But with Hallmark, I would love to do, um, uh, I had an idea for a movie for the drama channel about um, some, a, a group of brothers coming home for their dad's funeral and sort of dealing with mm. the shattered, picking up the pieces of the shattered family and, and sort of identifying his legacy and, you know, the maybe the traumas that they all experienced, emotional traumas and stuff that they experienced yeah. as a result of who their father was and trying to kind of come back together as a family. I'd love to write that story. It's, it's very, it would be very uh, emotionally charged. And the, the joy for me would be writing something that goes about as far in the other direction from comedy Mm. as you can at Hallmark, but then finding humor in it, you know? Yeah. So just offsetting those like really dark themes with yeah. humor, finding joy in the, in the sadness as a, yeah. I find often even like with unexpected and with Castle Heart, there's a, there's a sadness there, but it's, there are moments of sadness in the joy. I'd like to go the other way and go, where's the levity in the, mm. in the somberness. And the, um, there's a, yeah, I'd love to tackle something like that and really like put my psychologist hat on and <laughs> plumb those depths a little bit. And uh, I think 
you know, maybe that's something I have to write on spec. Maybe they go, well, we don't know if you can write that. We don't know if we trust you yet to write that. Yeah, I sort of have mm-hmm. to earn that, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to just do the work. I appreciate though, um, even in your acting, I feel like that's a common thread where you always bring some element of humor or some element of joy to whatever movie you're in, which is why you're one of my favorites and favorites of so many across the world, um, is that you've, you find that element of joy and that element of humor. And we appreciate you for it. I know I speak uh, for me when I say thank you. Thank you so much for that. Because that's why we as fans come to Hallmark. Sometimes it is necessary to tell those real, those true, those vulnerable stories. But there's also some times where you just want to find that element of humor in your, in your own life. You know, you want to escape from your own life for a minute and then find that element yeah. of joy, that element of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't come here to be sad. If I, <laughs> if I wanted to be sad, I could just keep the TV turned off and look around the room. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I exactly. came here for you to cheer me up. This right. is like the cheapest form of medication. You know, Hello. put a smile on my face. Yeah. I, uh, I've, uh, I've always, always, always liked trying to make people laugh. And, you know, maybe it's, it, it does come from a place of, of, you know, having my own struggles as a kid and having my mm. own struggles as a teenager and as an adult, mm. but there was always, um, humor was always an outlet for me. And, and I've always like, I've always, was always kind of the class clown. And, uh, and so I think that's what appealed to me about Hallmark, like Window Wonderland was my first movie and it was really funny. And the script was yeah. really funny. And I was like, oh, I get to be funny and I get to make people laugh here. There's, why not? Why not make people laugh? If you're going to tell a story, why not bring a little humor to it? There's always something fun that can be found in these movies, you know? Yeah. There's always like, I love the challenge of trying to add in my own jokes and just, if I can get my co-star to laugh uh, in a in a tight two shot where we're both on camera and I can hold on to that line until we get to that shot and then I can just get a genuine response that's there's a chemistry there's a there's a there's an electricity that lives in that or the organic moment of doing that so I'm always like trying to throw stuff in to mess with people sometimes it works sometimes they get really <laughs> pissed off I'm like can you just say the line can you just yeah like, um, I, you know, Tyler, uh, Tyler threw in some great lines of his own in unexpected and he had me laughing a few times. Oh, there was uh, the, one of my favorites is probably a fan favorite line at the very end when he goes, I'm sorry, you had to see me dressed as a unicorn. That was his, he threw, <laughs> he threw that line in. Oh, um, I think the line as written was, she goes, oh, there's this guy, he's kind of cute and, you know, he's a really good writer and I want to see where it goes. And I think, I think I had written, if you're not talking about me, I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> and, uh, and he threw, he threw that alt in and I was like, it's better. It's better than what wow. I had. And yeah. He had, and Joy also had a couple great little like add-ins that I went, oh, perfect little button to the scene or a perfect little thing. You know, that's what, when you get great actors like that in front of a camera, they're able to, they know those characters better than the writers do. They, those two work really, we had a lot of conversations over the course of production where they would challenge me on stuff mm-hmm. and we would work through emotional things and go, why is it, why am I saying this? Where is this coming from? And they mm-hmm. were like really prepping. It. A lot of actors will just show up and sort of phone it in and they were like, mm-hmm. 
you can see it in those in the, the nuance of those performances. They yeah. they really really care about those characters, and I think that they do that in all their movies, which is why they're so popular. Yeah, at the network because they really work. They come in as like artists, and they try and you know they really do the work. Yes. Oh man. Well, in closing, Sir Paul of Campbell. Is there anything mm-hmm. you would like to say to any of those listening and or watching anything at all you want to leave the listeners or watchers with, whether it be about the holidays, about anything, anything you want to say? Um, I, uh, I've been so overwhelmed by the, outs- the outpouring of support and love for this movie and for the work that I'm doing. And honestly, like I, uh, I'm so grateful for just being in the position that I'm in and for being able to talk to someone like yourself, who's so like effusively in support of these projects. And I, uh, I truly feel so blessed just to be like sitting where I am. So, and I couldn't do it without the, the fans and the support and all the people. So I hope everyone has uh, an extraordinary Christmas. I'm going to put my feet up and, take a little break i think after the last couple years we could all use like a pretty uh we could use a pretty damn good christmas so (laughs) thank you everybody for continuing to watch and to be supportive and um hopefully next year i have no fewer than 35 projects that i deliver all right it's on record you heard it here first so no 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 No, you can't hit the delete button on that one so if we if we see 34 we will riot no but um (laughs) thank you so much uh, paul for coming into the home of dear hallmark we really appreciate it um and for anything about dear hallmark just look in the description box or the show notes if you're watching or listening and i will talk to you guys in the next episode